0: Hi everyone, I'm Tara Lawn. Welcome to Time Out with Tinseltown Mom. I'm here today with safety expert Rahel Bayer, a former sex crimes and child abuse prosecutor and current CEO of the Bayer Group, where she partners with companies to create safe spaces for schools, camps, offices, and more. Today we're discussing child abuse prevention and how to arm our kids appropriately against predators. Hi Rahel, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much for having me. It is really a pleasure. It's such a pleasure to have you here. I've been looking forward to this interview, and I know it's going to be so impactful and help so many parents. So I know I gave a little short intro about you, but why don't you just give us a little bit more detail about your background and how you got to be where you are today? Sure. So I am, as you said, uh, I'm a former sex crimes and child abuse prosecutor. And for a number of years, I
1: prosecuted some of the most heinous and and vicious crimes committed against children as well as adults. And when I left the DA's office, I worked for a global investigative company in their, this is a lot, their sexual misconduct consulting and investigations division where I really conducted large scale historical abuse investigations and investigations into boundary or grooming behavior or things of that nature. And so a number of years ago, I decided to really go off on my own to focus on what would it look like if there was a way to think strategically about abuse prevention, not from a risk mitigation perspective only, but from the perspective of how do we really work to prevent these crimes, but also how do we empower everybody around kids and kids to navigate through these complicated situations? What would it look like if we took the approach of making this proactive and empowering and positive and not something that was overwhelmingly
0: scary or terrifying? So you started your company, The Bear Group. What year did you start your company? Yeah.
1: Two years ago, actually this week, we are coming up on our two-year anniversary.
0: Oh, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. See, I think more companies should utilize services like yours because I think it can help so many people just understand, you know, how to prevent these abuses from happening in the first place.
1: For sure. And, you know, I work with schools and camps, youth organizations, faith-based organizations, and I work a lot in the corporate sector because every single place is a little bit different. Right? It's not a one-size-fits-all approach. When we're thinking of abuse prevention in a school, that's gonna look really different than harassment prevention in the corporate sector. right? How do we create spaces that not only are safe, but that feel safe, where people speak up, where people are upstanders? How do we do that together? And it can't ever just be a, well, we talk to the principal or we talk to the CEO. right? It has to be something that involves everyone.
0: Yeah. Including the students, right? When you go to schools, do you involve the students? Okay. That's awesome. All right. Wonderful. So again, we're talking about child abuse prevention. And just before we get into the topic, is there something that you wish parents knew about this subject in particular? I wish
1: that parents knew that you didn't have to be an expert in this area to work, to keep your kids safe in this area. You know, I am not, um, I am not a doctor, like I have no medical degree, but I recognize the importance of putting a helmet on, right, when my kid rides a bike. And I may not be a lifeguard and actually maybe like a pretty lousy swimmer, but I recognize the importance of making sure my kid knows not to jump in a pool unless there's a lifeguard there. And I think with abuse prevention, specifically sexual abuse prevention, it is so overwhelmingly scary that as parents, we kind of sometimes take a step back and say, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to talk about this. I don't know how to have conversations without feeling uncomfortable. And the truth is, I think that that's the norm where parents feel that way. And I wish that parents knew, you don't have to be a former sex crimes prosecutor to really think strategically and act strategically about this and that there are ways to do it together.
0: Right, I love that. And a lot of parents, when they think about child abuse as uh, predators out there, they're thinking of strangers. So, of course, we're always thinking stranger danger. And we teach our kids, OK, don't walk alone or, you know, we give those tips, just, you know, the basic tips, I guess, that a lot of parents give their kids. But what would you say to that as far as parents thinking stranger danger? Like that's like the ultimate out there when it comes to abuse.
1: I mean, I'm sure like you grew up with this, I grew up with this, like don't talk to strangers, don't get into a car with strangers, like don't eat candy, don't get a cute puppy from someone you don't know. And now we literally get into cars with strangers. Like we get into Ubers and we get into Lyfts and like we've totally shifted the way we think. When we think about sexual abuse, the numbers that we have and the data that we have are that 91% of kids that are sexually abused are abused by someone that they or their family knows. We're not talking about stranger danger. And that does not mean that stranger danger doesn't exist, right? There are always going to be, there's always room to talk to our kids about safety outside, about what to do if you get lost, about, you know, all of those different pieces. But if 91% of kids that are being sexually abused are abused by someone that their parents know, then the question is not about stranger danger. The question is, how is it possible that this could happen and we wouldn't see it? And the answer falls in line with your question, which is, we're looking for scary strangers. We're looking for that creepy stranger. And that's really not what should be, where we should be focusing our attention.
0: Right. So let's start with younger kids. Now, how could parents broach this subject with younger kids as far as protecting them or just offering them solutions if they get into a certain situation that's uncomfortable. Like how should a parent start this conversation with a young child first? Okay. So
1: first is I say to every parent, like take a deep breath. It's okay to totally mess up the conversation. You may not get it. Perfect. That is actually okay. And one of the things that I'll share about younger kids is that abuse prevention is not about sitting down with them and saying there are predators or pedophiles or scary people out there, like that is not effective for a really young kid. But there are certain things that are really effective when we start to teach them in a certain way. So for example, naming their body parts by the correct anatomical names. And one of the reasons why we want a parent to be able to teach their kid that just like a nose is a nose and ears are ears, your penis is your penis, right? And that there's no shame or embarrassment attached to naming that body part. Because when we think about it, if we use nicknames or we use other names, it teaches a young child, not only is there something different, but it's so different. I can't even use the right name. Like there's almost shame attached to it. And that means that if you're in a situation where somebody does, you know, in a worst case scenario, touch your child or start to engage in touch, your kid may be thinking, well, this is something that should embarrass me. I can't tell my parent. I can't tell my grown up because I'm embarrassed about it. I'm ashamed about it. And we taught them to be ashamed without even realizing it. Right. Wow. So that's one thing that we can integrate. And we never have to mention the word pedophile. And the second thing is to be able to teach our kid body boundaries, right? My body belongs to me. And there are going to be certain times where someone has to come into my body boundaries, my my body bubble, right? If we're at the doctor's office and the doctor has to check my body, or if I'm at the dentist and the dentist has to clean my teeth. But in general, my body belongs to me. And then the third thing that we can do with really young kids is start to teach them about tricky behaviors, and we can turn it into a game. And as opposed to saying to our kids, you better watch out for that type of person or that type of person, or as opposed to saying to our kids, well, that person is always a trusted person. Like That person is always someone you could go to. A trusted person should be someone your child." feels is trusted, not how you've determined it. So if we teach them about things like tricky behaviors in reference to all types of safety, then it becomes something almost exciting. So for example, if someone was in our house baking cookies And they said to your sister, you can take a cookie off the baking tray, but you knew that that baking tray just came out of the oven and was super hot and your sister would would burn her hand, right? What kind of feeling does that give you? And does that feel kind of tricky, right? If someone says to you, oh, you don't have to tell your grown up what I tell you, we can keep this a secret between us. Is that something that feels tricky or is that something that's actually safe? right? And we can integrate this idea of helping kids categorize behaviors as something that gives them red stop sign feelings or red flag feelings, right? These red, like something doesn't feel right. We should stop. We should pause. Or does it give you a green feeling, right? A green means go. I feel great. Everything's amazing. And if we start talking to them about behaviors when it comes to safety, then no matter who's doing it, they may be more likely to come to you and say, Hey, grandma was being tricky with me when she tried to give me a lollipop and told me, I don't have to tell you, but, but those are some of our safety rules. We have to be able to tell our grownups. And so ways that we can integrate this. I mean, Believe me, I could answer even more to this, you know, differentiating between secrets and surprises. A surprise is something that is always going to end and a secret doesn't. And no grown up needs to ask my child to keep a secret from me. Right. So little things like that. Notice I didn't mention pedophiles. I didn't mention sexual abuse. I didn't mention grooming. And I didn't even mention touching in a sexual way. But all of those pieces are things that as parents, we can integrate without feeling scared.
0: Those are good uh, examples. And what, at what age should parents start talking to their young child about their body parts? I would say like
1: if you talk to your baby, right, when you change their diaper, even though they're not talking back, right, like they, 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 they're, not, they're babbling or whatever, you know, if you talk to them or sing to them. I'm positive that there are parents out there that when they're changing their kids' diapers, say something like, you have such a cute nose or I love your nose or I love your ears. You can say things like, you know, I am wiping your vagina right now or I'm wiping your vulva right now, right? We can actually integrate it. And I know there are going to be parents listening saying like, (laughs) I am
0: not going to do that. They're used to saying wee-wee and stuff like that. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, oh, I'm cringing. I'm not going to
1: do it. So the truth is, you don't have to start when they're an infant, but the minute that they're in a situation where they're in the bathtub and they understand what's happening and you're washing their body, teaching them body boundaries and the names of their private parts are things that we should be integrating, right? And yes, I do have children and yes, my kids are absolutely prone when they were little to like yell out in the middle of their nursery school class, like, you know, Oh, I, you know, you know, you went to the bathroom. Did you, did you use your penis? You know, and and the teacher would be like, oh, you can't say that. It's a bathroom word. And my kid would be like, that is not a bathroom word. That is not, that is not a bad word. You know? Yeah. It happens.
0: Yeah. Okay. So going from there, from, you know, teaching the body parts and autonomy over their own body, how does a parent go from there as far as teaching their child about predators and The other conversations that we're going to talk about here. At what age would would you say? And how does that look?
1: So, I think that when you start getting used to having conversations about things like tricky behaviors and things like red flag or red, you know, stop feelings or green flag feelings, and you start to integrate it as they get older, then at a certain point, and I know with my own kids, it was probably around five or even six years old actually maybe earlier probably 4 or 5 years old where i started taking those lessons and then building in certain things to ask if they felt tricky or not so i'll tell you you know i remember thinking when my kids were really really young you know is it too young to talk about the fact that if someone tries to touch you know your private part use the anatomically correct name you know if someone tries to touch you or someone asks you to touch theirs You know, this is what I want you to do, and this is what I want you to know. But then I started to realize, and I saw this in my work as well, that a lot of times we think that abuse prevention conversations with kids as they get older have to be these heavy sit-down conversations. Like, sit down, we need to talk about something serious. And I actually think that the most effective abuse prevention, as our kids are getting older, continuing into their teenage years are about small bite-sized moments of abuse prevention. Right? You're sitting at the table having cereal or breakfast. You read something in the newspaper or you saw something the night before whether it was on Netflix or, you know, Hulu and you want to bring it up with your kids, being able to utilize it and just take 3 or 4 minutes. You know, when one of my kids was in second grade, I remember I was folding laundry on the couch um and I just She seemed really calm. So I turned to her and I said, okay, you know, we've talked about this before, but I just want to remind you, if anybody ever tries to touch your private part, and I use the anatomically correct name, or if anybody ever tries to get you to touch theirs, and I was about to say, I don't even know what, but she interrupted me. And she said to me, ew, that's so gross. Why would anybody ever do that? Right? Why would anybody want to do that? And I froze. I froze. I remember thinking, like, I don't know what to answer. Do I tell her about pedophiles? Do I tell her about unsafe people? Like, what do I do? And I had to give myself a pep talk and remind myself that I may not love my answer, but I want to be able to give her an answer that doesn't scare her. But that also allows her to understand the significance. So I took a deep breath. I took my own advice. I took a deep breath. I relaxed my shoulders. And I turned to her and I said, most people in this world are awesome. Totally awesome. And most people that you're going to meet in this world are really amazing. But sometimes there are people that act in really unsafe ways. And it doesn't mean that they're good and it doesn't mean that they're bad. It means that their actions are not safe. And I used an example. I said, you have a friend who is very allergic to peanuts, like very, very allergic. If you saw a grown-up giving your friend a chocolate bar that you knew had peanuts in it, what would we do, right? We would yell or we would scream or we would be like, you can't give that to her, right? Or we would go and we would tell a trusted grown-up. I said, do we care whether that person is a good person or a bad person? No, in that moment, their action isn't safe. So we've got to tell someone. And I want you to think about certain things that we're talking about as being unsafe. It is unsafe for a grown up, even someone you know, even someone you might love or I might love to turn to you and say, I want you to touch my private part, right? I want you to touch whatever, again, use the correct anatomical name. That would be unsafe. So though I don't expect it to happen, I want you to know that if it does happen, you can come to me and it's never going to be your fault. And I'm always going to love you. And there is nothing that anybody could do to make me stop loving you. And those components The no matter what, it's not your fault. I will never stop loving you. You can come and tell me. And I want you to know that you don't have to worry about whether someone is good or bad. If their action is not safe I want to know about it, those components can be brought in as our kids get older. And that may sound different with a second grader, but it's going to also sound different with a middle school kid. Or with an 11th grader, where you talk about it in a different tone of voice. But we've got to repeat those
0: concepts. I love that you mentioned that it's not their fault. So they know while you're teaching them, if something were ever to happen, they can come to you. It's not their fault. They don't need to feel guilty about it. So I love that you've involved that in part of that conversation. I think that's important. Totally. So as the kids get older, you mentioned middle school and high school. Like, how do you start incorporating the conversations? Let's say parents haven't had those conversations they, they may think it's obvious, but it's not always obvious. How do they start incorporating those conversations with older kids?
1: So I actually think that in this situation, things like movies and TV shows of which so many of the TV shows or movies or honestly, even books that our kids are reading or have access to will always have somebody who's acting with a tricky behavior, right? Whether it's sexual abuse or whether it's something else, or there are so many things our kids are exposed to where there will be a scene of some sort of sexual abuse or assault or rape or attempted rape. And I actually really think with older kids, as opposed to saying, I don't want them to see it, or they're not going to see it, or I don't want to be the one to talk to them about it, talk to them about it, right? If you watch whatever show it is, and there is something in there that has to do with, you know, teenagers getting drunk and somebody saying, I don't want to do this. And somebody just deciding that they're going to rape them, right? They're not going to do anything with consent. They're going to just do what they want to do we should use that as a platform to say to our kid like let's let's break that down right like let's talk about it and not every parent that's listening feels as though they have a relationship with their kid where they could do that and i want to acknowledge that because i think it's not always going to be a one size fits all approach but i also think that a really good option is like if you have a kid that loves things like you know graphic novels right by graphic novels, I mean like comic book type novels, right? There are actually a lot of really good graphic novels that touch on issues of consent, right? Or permission or what that means. If you have a kid that only loves to play video games and you think about learning a little bit more about those video games and things or interactions that might happen in those video games that you could use as a springboard to having a conversation we still have to talk to our older kids about tricky behaviors. We don't have to talk about it in terms of like feelings, right, if that doesn't feel right. But we still have to be able to identify for our kids what something, when something feels tricky. Because a lot of times what we see with sexual abuse of teenagers specifically, is that their parents may have a conversation with them where they say, if anything ever hurts or feels uncomfortable, or you ever feel like you're in danger, then I want you to know you could come to me, right? And that's kind of the conversation. The problem is that once you've hit puberty, sexual abuse is not always gonna physically hurt, right? It's, an un- it's really an uncomfortable thing to think about, but our body has you know, a reaction to physiological touch. And so if you have a 14 year old and the abuse didn't hurt them. The abuse didn't feel physically violent, or in fact, it, it did something to their body where they felt like, oh my gosh, if it didn't hurt me and it didn't feel bad, then, then did I cause this? Did I do something wrong? Right? Did I? Does that mean that my body betrayed me? Does that mean that this is my fault? If we know that that's a possibility, then we as parents, Have to talk to our kids about their bodies, about everything from understanding, you know, every, you know, sex, understanding consent, what it means to have body boundaries, and then still give the language for them to understand that if there's a grown up doing something like this to them, they can't give consent. That's actually not something they can give permission to. And it doesn't matter what that grown up says to them that makes them feel like it's their fault, it's not their fault, right? And we have to repeat this over and over again. Kind of like when we repeat to our kids, please put your socks in the laundry basket, right? You don't just say it once, you say it a thousand times. Sometimes that's not even enough, right? with this we have to really think about it as continuous
0: right no that's really good and just continuing this conversation because you you have a lot of key points there that you brought up um people don't think about like family members and close friends that could be you know predators unfortunately so what are your thoughts on just going to like family events or friendly events like how would you advise a parent to broach that subject with their child just, you know, just ensuring that, you know, that the child is in a safe space. I know sometimes, you know, I've gone to events and I've saw, I've seen like an older person tickle a younger person. I don't particularly like that tickling to me. I would classify that as tricky behavior, even though it could be totally innocent, huh? but like, totally. how would you advise the parent just with family settings? Let's say, cause the holidays are coming up just to make sure we're keeping everyone safe totally. there. Okay, but my
1: answer may actually surprise you. Oh, okay. Okay. (laughs) I actually think that as the parents, we have to talk to the grownups that are around our kids.
0: Okay.
1: I think that giving our kids tools for their safety toolkit, right? We give them the, the tools, but we don't expect them to build the house, right? We give them tools so that they'll come to us. But we as the parents can see the bigger picture, which means we have a responsibility to almost act as the contractor. And if we know that we're gonna walk into situations where people are gonna tickle our kids or ask them to go somewhere privately or give them something and tell them they don't have to tell their grown-up about it, right? Their parent or their guardian about it, that's tricky. And I, as the parent, have a responsibility to make sure that if I can stop it, my kid doesn't need to use those tools which means that I may have to have some of those tough conversations. Sometimes it can be done in advance. Like one really good strategy that I like, and I really do wonder if any of my kids' grandparents are gonna be listening to this, what they're gonna think about this, but one strategy that I really like is the family members you feel closest with, call them up beforehand and say, listen, I just heard this podcast. It really made me rethink some things. I need to ask you a favor because I think I need your help with something, right? Grandparents love being asked to help. Like they love being, you know, needed in a particular way. I need your help because I'm teaching my kid about X, Y, and Z, or I learned about how to protect kids in larger situations. And so I need you, before you go to hug my child, I need you to actually help me out by saying something like, hey, can I give you a hug? And if they say no, I need you to be like, good job deciding what you want and what you need, right? Like I need your help when it comes to all of these things, because I know that these particular people may act in a particular way that may not be dangerous at all, but I'm trying to show my child that we as the grownups take this seriously. And what it also means is that in the moment when you see someone engage in a tricky behavior, Even if they never intended to do anything wrong, you can also go over and say, hey, you know what? We don't do tickling, right? Especially when someone really doesn't like it. So, hey, and turn to your kid and be like, let's go and turn to the family member and be like, I know you only meant amazing things, but we're not doing tickling now. And it's hard to do that, right? My heart is palpitating just thinking about having to do that. Now imagine how it feels for a seven-year-old or for a nine-year-old to have to turn to a grown-up, an adult, a family member who they're supposed to respect and love and tell them no. If we can't do it, we can't ask our kids to do it.
0: Yeah, I love that. So as far as the family gatherings, are you saying? Just as far as hugs, those should be asked for before anyone's hugged. Is that what you're suggesting? Yeah, I
1: love the idea. I mean, I ask
0: my kids, like I'll say, hey,
1: do you need a hug? Or hey, do you want a hug? Or can I hug you right now? And it's really hard for me when I want to like smush my kid or give them a hug to turn to them and listen to them. And if they say, no, I have to model that behavior. I have to be like, okay, no problem. Even though I'm thinking... (laughs) I really want a hug right now. So yeah, I think it's a great tool to be able to teach kids that their body belongs to them. When people start to ask, can I give you a kiss? Can I give you a hug? Right. And to give our kids ownership to say no.
0: Yeah. So there's probably a lot of parents listening that don't ask their child if they can get a grandma can hug them, et cetera. But you're just uh, suggesting, you know, maybe, proactively let the family members know before even arriving at the event that going forward, this is how you want it to be.
1: Totally. Look, here's the thing. If you had a kid that was sick, right? Or if you had a kid that had an allergy, you wouldn't hesitate to have conversations that feel hard to keep your kids safe. And this should be no different.
0: Yeah. Okay. I love that. Is there anything else you think that parents need to know before we wind down the conversation?
1: I would just say that for everybody that's listening, there is no one right way of doing this. If you want to do this, if you want to make abuse prevention a part of the fabric of how you parent, it is going to be trial and error and that's okay. And some conversations are gonna feel amazing and some are not, and that's okay too. And this is from someone who has had many conversations and some of them have gone really well and some of them have not. And I just want to say, like, this is part of how we keep kids safe. We keep trying and we do what we need to do as
0: parents. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here today. This was awesome information. Now, where can people find you if they want to know more about you and the services that you provide? Sure. So our website
1: is thebayergroup.com, T-H-E-B-A-Y-A-R group.com. We're on Instagram under rachel.bayer. That's R a h e l. Dot b-a-y-a-r um, and we are on Facebook under the Bayer group and we share a lot
0: of tips for parents about keeping kids safe. Thanks for listening to Time Out with Tinseltown Mom. If you liked what you heard today, please be so kind and rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. Because when you do that, you get this podcast in front of more listeners. And I want to offer more encouragement to a wider audience. So any positive reviews that you can give would be so helpful. Until next time.